You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel on 3CR, your community radio station. I hope we're being good company for you during this uh, COVID lockdown. It's all very trying, but uh, keep safe, uh, keep cool. We'll be fine when we get out of this. Uh, Showreel is uh, a look at the Australian film industry and uh, and the moving image. And uh, today I'm going to be speaking to... Anthony Snowden. If you've ever been to a demonstration or a public event, you've probably met or seen Anthony. Anthony's been uh, a long-term chronicler of public dissent on the streets. And uh, I wanted to find out more about why he does what he does and how he goes about it. And you might have noticed that he had a recent success on YouTube with uh, his uh, first reportage of the uh, Flemington Flats lockdown uh, with 50,000 hits, which was a novelty for him. But uh, it's great to see some success for his uh, YouTube channel called Box 4. This is what uh, Anthony had to say. Uh, we first met when uh, we were both uh, covering some public events. Uh, I do it for radio, but you do it for video. And uh, I was wondering how you started doing this. Well, um, I started uh, the, the the current sort of film of activism in um, S11, something called S11, which is September 11th to September 13, 2000 the protests outside the World Economic Forum, um, outside the Crown Casino back then. So that's, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. Um, and before that, I actually did do something else, which was um, I did film uh, American President Bush. It came to Melbourne, early January 91, and there was a protest. He was here for one day. This is um, Bush Sr. Do you see it as being um, a way of documenting what's going on or... Is it some other? Is there something else going on? Um, well, it's just—it's always fascinated me since I was a teenager. The whole, the role, the way people can affect change in uh, who are not politicians, and especially how it can be done on the streets or or at street level. So, just a few people getting together and and deciding they don't like government policy and they try and do something about it. Just documenting it, and and because there are things are out in the open, it's um it's um relatively easier to video, as I've I found out. Other than I mean, I've, I've done a lot of things indoors, obviously, but when things are outdoors, so you've got the light, and you've also got legal sort of thing about um you can film people in the open, but a bit more difficult um inside if 
inside rooms. And so a lot goes on in a public demonstration like that. And over the time, you must have uh, uh, worked out some strategies. Do you want to talk about some of your strategies for filming uh, a live event like that? Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say is another good thing about a demonstration in the streets is you can just walk up to a wide range of people and ask them for an interview, including major politicians. I mean, I've walked up, I've got, a, I've got an interview with Premier Andrews every time I've asked him. So I pretty about, about four times I've asked him each time he said, yeah. So I've got to the top in um, between politics. And that's because he, you know, it, it'd be, I, I, I haven't even tried it to um, you know, ring his office or, and see if I could do a sit down interview or, you know, if I even want to, but, um, or could do it. But um, it's much easier at a, at a well, not so much a demonstration. These The things where Premier Andrews is at are more like, well, it's interesting because years ago, what I would do would, I would um, see who was speaking, if it was publicised, the speakers, and then if there are people I don't know and who I think would be interesting to interview, especially politicians, I would contact their office and um, sort of prep them, prep the staff. And um, just so when I approach the politician, it's not so much, it's, it's more likely to go ahead to interview than if you don't then approach them cold. But but um, having said that, um, I don't I don't bother that anymore because um, I just go there on the day and st- I mean, it, even when I walk up to the politicians and I and I've mentioned the phone call, invariably they sort of smile and don't know about it. But I, I still do the interview anyway. So I look at you know I look up the um, speakers and I think about it all night long. How you know what sort of questions to ask of people, and and then I think of the people that are going to be there who I think will be there anyway. And then I have a list in my mind of the people I want to approach for interviews. And invariably, you know, I'm lucky if I get a half of those people. But then you get, you get, you get other people you, you don't expect. Yeah. You can have all the preparations in the world based on doing it for years and years. And then you get there and obviously everything is never exactly as you think thought it would be. The thing is, what I've found is you just keep doing interviews. You just don't stop. You just do as many, and, and cut away shots and just do not stop because you've only got an hour and a half, generally speaking. And it's over. Unfortunately, it's not a movie set, and I'm not a movie director, so I can't ask people to do things a second time. Is what the way I look at it. So I've just got to capture things as they occur. People don't reenact scenes, you know. So yeah, it's all it all happens in front of you, and um, the drama's all there, and it's up to you to um, to capture it. In in your case, any with the you know audio, and in my case with video. And um, there's there's photographers there, you know. There's all people all sorts of media, mainstream media and independent media and just people holding up their iPhones, you know, everyone's doing their whole, own level of um, capturing, whether it's straight reporting or or it's um, more um, partisan. Recently, you, well, relatively recently, you, you've uh, created a mm. thing called Box 4, which is like a, uh, your, your television station, really, isn't it? Your channel, your channel. <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's um, it's on YouTube and Facebook, and it's called Box Four. I mean, it's just uh, when Box Four turned up, I was thinking that's a very good pr- uh, approach because what you're doing is branding your material. Now, I know that uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, advertising does work, and creating a format that allows your audience to actually 
participate, listen and uh, uh, link in. Branding is a clever idea. That's what you're doing, isn't it? Giving them a space. Yeah, and um, see, there's a couple of things. One is TV stations are less likely to steal your footage. And I use that word, you know, deliberately because it, it is um, literally theft. Um they can look there's fair use people can use a bit of it under certain circumstances but um you don't want to, you don't want people grab a hold of your um work and then pass them off as their own when you put your logo up there they then either have to try and obscure it in which case you can everyone can see and i can put point out to people look they're they're obscuring it because they know it's wrong or else they leave it up there and then then it's clearly been taken from me unless i've agreed to it so um, there's that. That's one. That's one part of it. But the other part, pretty more importantly, a good reason for the logo, for anyone to put the logo on, is then, in my my theory, is then people would go look up Box Four on YouTube and Facebook, and then see all the other videos. See what I mean? And so each video feeds upon the other. Plus, it's easier to say Box Four all the time than your own name. You know, I'm trying to sort of separate myself from. Uh, my name from from the material because recently you've actually uh, had quite a big success in that um, you had thousands of people linking into your box for reportage of the uh, Flemington Flats lockdown because you went there straight straight at the moment and got some quite vivacious uh, local resident speaking about what was going on. Can you tell us about what motivated you and how did you get there? What did, what happened? Did you just react? Well, I was driving around that night I'm, and I must have, I just ended up in the area anyway near it and I had to go out with some friends later on that night and I said, oh, I'm in the area, I hear what's happened. The police are locking down Flemington and North Melbourne public housing estates that late that afternoon and I got there at about six o'clock to um Racecourse Road. Yeah. Coincidentally exactly the same um spot where the Milo Yiannopoulos um counter rally things happened two and a half years ago. But anyway. So I thought like I'll get some shots of the cops or it's it's a, it's a it's a um it's obviously dark and also it's wet so um there's nice reflections on the road and there's blue lights everywhere flashing and I'll get some shots of this and that and I'll go. So I'm I'm doing some shots on my iPhone. And then up comes um, a friend of mine, and um, she just walks up. She and I knew her. I know her, right? But um, and um, they um, they're walking up, and they've just done a bit of video themselves. And I spoke to them about what's going on, and what she said to me was very interesting. And I said to her, "Well, would you like to say that on video for me?" And she said, "Yeah, okay." You know, she spoke for that just over a minute, and then okay, see you later, bye. And then I went to my car and just uploaded it without getting back to the logo. I didn't put a, I didn't put the logo on because. I just wanted to get going. I didn't even put my number at the end of it or anything. Thinking it'd only be seen by a few hundred people, such a simple little thing. As it turned out, it's been my biggest hit. Yeah, last time I checked, it was 50,500 people have watched it because... You've got an ability as a citizen reporter, effectively, to get some information right on the moment, go back to your car, then upload it, and it's already happened, right? Tell me tell me about that, that process. Well, that's... Well, it's pretty rare that I do it. That's, that's so rare. I've done it only once before. I've, I've just gone back to the car and just edited something on the phone. And it's been shot on the phone and edited on the phone and, and put up right away. What software do you use for the edit? Well, it's just the iPhone. Um, it's the iPhone, um, the, the editing that's on the iPhone. Sorry, it's called iMovie. It's very basic and, and um, it doesn't allow you to do a lot of things. But um, the good thing is you can 
you can edit on the spot. Yeah, you can edit it in, in the short time and get something up. You know, a few. You know, straight after it happened. I noticed the material that you put up for uh, the Black Lives Matter protest in Melbourne was so intimate yeah. and so fantastic because it was you were right in amongst the crowd. People spoke to you, they talked yeah. to you. It was very personal. You did a great job. And the clarity was fantastic. Oh, um, tell me about that experience. Well, that's interesting because I'm, I'm kicking myself to this day about what went wrong, which was I could not get a microphone that would work on, on this iPhone that I've got. So the one, the one we just talked about at, at Flemington was with a new microphone. It was only bought a few days earlier. Because, just a technical thing, with an iPhone, the microphones you buy from JB Hi-Fi or anywhere else don't necessarily work on an iPhone. Yeah. So I, I tried it, my, my microphones, I thought they were going to work, they didn't work, and, and, and I tried, so I just went to that Black Lives Matter rally and did it without any microphones. So the interviews, some of them are not very clear. Um, you can't hear people that if there's a lot of noise around them because there's no microphone to hold out. Yep. So you can't be directional. You you just pick up everything that's about. But the visuals are great. Yeah, the visuals are great. And one of the good things is, well, people probably might not, not realise that if they think you can do all that just with an iPhone, I've got to tell you, it's on a monopod. All right, tell us about that. Tripod has three legs, monopod has one leg. So it's on a like a stick. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Stick. Okay. So what you're saying is it's steady. It keeps it steady. Steady, yeah. Yeah, because everyone makes them, the, the number one thing people stuff up at demonstrations and everywhere when they're filmed with their iPhones as they move them around. Yeah. There's, the second thing that they do wrong is not keep the um, image, the camera on the action long enough. They move it around instead of letting people oh, yeah. actually is, do stuff in front yeah. of you. And the other thing they do is they don't have, they don't have the microphone, which I, <laughs> I usually have, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've had microphones, you know, for God, since I was a teenager, you know, that out of the camera since, you know, from Super 8. You've got to have a microphone that you hold out to get the good sound, and no one ever bothers with that with the iPhone. So I've, so I've seen one person do it. So there are little things people can do, but if they want my hints. But um, that Black Lives Matter rally was um, edited on the iPhone, shot, in, shot on an iPhone and edited on an iPhone. It was so intimate and so fantastic. You did a great job, and it looked good too. Yeah, yeah, I was really impressed. Street CR Community Radio, 855 AM. You're on 3CR on Showreel with Annie, and we're having a yarn with Anthony Snowden, who is a chronicler of public dissent on the streets. He sometimes shoots inside as well. Over time, uh, what are the things that you've learned? Because obviously from the time you began doing this stuff, which has been quite a while... Uh, to now, uh, what do you reckon are your number one uh, or s- number s- several things that you think are really important things? Well, as we just mentioned, keep the camera still. And secondly, try as hard as you can to get good sound. You can have a bad picture and if the sound's good quality, people watch it. It's not the other way around. You can have great, great picture quality, but if people can't, if people are just strained to hear things, they won't want to continue on on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, what else is there? Uh, you have to help me out here. Anyway. Well, I know that when I when I go to an event, I actually case the joint a little bit 
so that I can see where what's going on and also access points oh. and uh, stuff like that. Yes, actually, that's a good point. Another thing I've learned is get to anything early, whether it's a book launch. Yes, early, early, early. Be and, and you and I sometimes we've been the first there anyway. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I filmed a lot of book launches and book talks at readings, and sometimes I got there late, and I was just kicking myself because I had nothing else to do that day. But for some reason, I got there late, and you get there, and everyone's in their seats, and you go, "Oh no, how can I set up and set and set my set up my tripod and everything and get in people's way?" It's but the thing is, if you're the first one there and you're set up, everyone accepts it. They just accept anything that they walk into. There's, there's someone with a camera, there's a tripod, I'll just sit over here and or I'll sit behind him, but I know it's there. It's a thousand times harder to walk in as I did a couple of times at readings. Another, well, that's the one I remember. And, um, oh, excuse me here, excuse me there, sorry, do you mind? You know, <laughs> all, this, all this embarrassing stuff and setting it up. And, but everyone, people are really quite nice. You can get it. You get away with murder when you have a big camera and a tripod. <laughs> but that's true. That's the thing. It's always <laughs> good to be uh, there early because you never know what might happen. Yeah. Get there early and also even demonstrations too. Stay as late as you can. Basically be the first one there and the last one to leave is my rule. That's exactly right. You're exactly right. Sometimes I get a bit tired to, to wait, but you never know what's going to happen, basically. Well, exactly. And, and any, I'm, I'm going to put this video very soon. It's I shot something that... It's very unusual, Melbourne. I did not know a single person at this rally. It was a rally against the um, lockdown laws from two months ago now, I guess it is. And it was, it was combined with 5G and anti-vax. And it turned into the most violent confrontation with the cops and people who were just not used to it. There were, there were about nine arrests. Wow. I've got about eight of them. Oh, that's fascinating. And people were really... Uh, at the end, all the media had left. Yeah. And it was just me and this... Um, freelance photographer and we caught this stuff at the very end the the police were going to make arrests of people that had left the rally the rally was well and truly over by any by any definition it was over but the police actually crossed the road to to make arrests of people who were still standing around i i overheard him it was go across the road and give them tickets which means he crossed over spring spring street to to give tickets to people that were just hanging around at the on the other side of the road after the rally had finished, and then there was two more arrests. Is what I'm trying to say, and they were they were full on. Well, one guy wouldn't. He was very upset. Well, he he actually had two children with him, and he they they took away his pram with his kids what? in them. They separated that, and um, he wouldn't. <gasps> well, it's on this video. I've even got down in slow motion. <gasps> yeah. Oh my goodness me! So they were being vindictive in your. He wouldn't. He. Yeah. Well, we. I just. It's not clear what happened because he was a... I don't know if he was even part of the protest. Someone's later on told me that his partner may have been at the protest and he may have just been... Looking after the kids. Or something. But he was... Yeah, and you can see he's he, they've taken a pram away. There's other... Someone else had up an iPhone or, or, or some sort of phone and got footage from a different angle than me. And I can see... You can even see it better than what I've got. Going back, well, you're going to put that up, and it'll be interesting for us all to go and have a look on Box 4 for that footage. Um, the uh, thing is, you were saying that uh, the police were quite aggressive, and uh, the people who were demonstrating were not used to that behaviour. Is that what you're saying? They were the, they yes. didn't see yes. police no, in that way. Yeah, these are new people. These are new people to me. Uh, I did not recognise. It's the first time I've been to a demonstration, other than the, the first one I went to. S11, where I didn't know where, where I didn't know anyone, 
at this one two months ago, I didn't know anyone. It, it, it wasn't like a right-wing rally or a nationalist. It was more that, without doubt, well, that's the biggest anti-lockdown rally in in Australia so far. Um, and it's the most violent um, uh, reaction from the police. They were arresting people, which they don't... The other ones I've been to, um, there's been a lot of cooperation between the police and protesters and um, things have been allowed to go ahead as long as people have kept their distance and not, and not had groups of more than 10 or 20, depending on, you know, what day it was. Mm, that's interesting. Um, so the Assange on. one was 10... The, the Assange one a few weeks ago was no more than 10 people yeah. and the refugee one at Mantra was no more than 20, I th- is it 20 or 10? And the one, the um, Extinction Rebellion was no more than... 20 people. Do you have trouble doing covering those events? You know, does anybody get in your way then as a media person? What, during the pandemic? Yeah, you mean? that's right, during the pandemic. No, what, what, what sort of trouble do you mean? Well, do they question why the you're pandemic? there? I mean, do you have to wear a mask? What's, what do you do? Do you have a long um, mic uh, stand thing so that you don't have to be close to people or what? No, no, I... Um... No, no one questions me because everyone can see what I'm doing, really. I mean, the people I've known amongst demonstrators, but the, the, that one we're just referring to, the anti... The anti-anti one. 5G anti-vaxxers. I didn't know anyone, but, but everyone accepted me. Uh, you know, we've, I've got my ID and, and I'm asking questions and I'm, you know, I'm just doing everything. So it was all okay. No one had a go at me at all. Even though I didn't know anyone there. Yeah, so tell me. I was by myself. Did you make the ID, or do you? Uh, are you a member of the MEAA or what? Oh no, I'm mem- yeah, no, I'm not. It's not a fake, <laughs> not a fake ID. No. no, it's a real. No, I'm a member of the yeah Media Entertainment Arts Alliance and have been since 2001. Cool. So, yeah. so you've forged your own career effectively, haven't you? Yeah. A career that doesn't make any money. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and YouTube go, we'll put that before your your video. And after the 5,000 videos, people watch your video, you'll give, you'll, we'll, we'll, we'll put $5 into your account. <laughs> I to myself, I'd, ra- I'd rather, I'd rather those 5,000 people just watch it without your stupid ad, whatever it is, and uh, I'll pay the $5. Or I won't have the $5. It's just so tiny. It's just not... I'm with you. You know? Yeah, I do. I do know. I hate those ads. <laughs> I, I, you know, I have, I have no objections at all. Having said that, any of an ad going before a video, because then people can clearly see one of the ways that that, it, that the thing can be paid for. But the amount of money is so tiny. Just forget about it. I'm going to work out something else. <laughs> I'm going to make. I'm going to put together a video of North Melbourne and especially Flemington uh, Housing Commission flats. Like, because I shot footage other than that. Saturday night that we talked about when it first started, I've got footage from uh, the the Wednesday, so about five days later, I, I was there that afternoon into the night and I did a few interviews. And then, I've, and then I came back on the Friday, which is the first day um, that they were let out. So they let out on the Thursday night at midnight in Flemington. And I went there on the, on the, on the Friday, I think it was a Friday, I did a number of really good interviews with um, some residents and also um, some, um, oh no, I, I got two interpreters the day before. Oh, the other thing is I got, I got Luke Hilakari, interview with him. I got an interview with um, Con 
the surname, the guy from the Asylum Secret Resource Centre. And I got an interview with, of all people, Bill Shorten. Really? Does he live around yeah, well, there? Well, he just rolled up to help out. Well, he yeah, he does, and he he's a member of that. He's a member for that area. Oh, right. And he rolled up to help out with the um, unloading food and and oversee it a bit and everything else. And um, I interviewed the butcher, um, who was unloading the food, and and there was Bill, and he recognised me and said hello, and I said hi, Bill, and then because I've interviewed him a few times before, yeah, yeah, right, uh, actually over years, and he said yeah, sure, and he gave me an interview. That's fascinating. Do you imagine how long it's going to be, your piece? You know, do you think, well, people uh, be, would like about 20 minutes of this or, you know, what, is there a standard? Yeah, that's, that's exactly, I was, yeah, I was talking about something last, someone about last night, I'm thinking it would be 20 minutes. You know, it's a good question, Andy, how long should you have these things? And I'll tell you what, no one, if people ever say comments about the length of my video, they always say it's too long. No one, no one in, in all these years has ever said they're too short. <laughs> so i'm I'm very conscious of that but i sort of i just want to get everything down you know and i'm I'm sort of thinking in my way looking at it look if i if i put out something that's maybe a bit longer than people would like the point is this is the video or not the well maybe will be quite often it's it's the only video that anyone's made of something you know what i mean if, if there's a whole lot of other videos, then maybe I'll just make a short video like everyone else because there's a whole lot of diff- other people doing different videos. But, if, but if, you're, if you're the one who's made the only video of an event, then your your video will be the one that people go back to. Um, so therefore, if you make it a bit longer, then there's more there's more documentation of it. Do you know what I mean? If you make it a bit longer, because if you're, if you're the only one who's done it. Have you heard it on the news? This fascist growth thing Evil men with racist views Spreading all across the land They're pulling on the boots in Brazil and wiping off the eggshells in Moorabbin. Fascism's on the march and we say, yeah, nah. Yena Passaran is a new weekly program on 3CR dedicated to tracking this rise in Australia, Aotearoa and all around our increasingly warm little globe. Every Thursday at 4.30pm, we'll be talking to writers and fighters about some angry blighters. That's it for Showreel this morning. I hope you're okay. Keep safe and uh, tune in for our next episode of uh, Showreel on 3CR, your community radio station. Don't you know, we're talking about a revolution It sounds Don't you know, we're talking about a revolution It sounds While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around, waiting for a promotion Don't you know, they're talking about a revolution It sounds like a whisper Who are people gonna rise up?
get their share. Poor people are gonna rise up and take what's theirs. Don't you know you better run, 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 run. Oh, I said you better run, 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 run. Cause finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. Yes, finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution, oh, oh no. Talking about a revolution, oh, oh, while they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines, sitting around waiting for a promotion. Don't you know they're talking about the revolution in the south? Starting to turn Talking about a revolution Yes, finally the tables Are starting to turn Talking about a revolution Oh, no Talking about a revolution Oh, no Talking about a revolution Oh, no You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.